Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Good morning, how are we? Happy Father's Day to uh, all the dads. We're going to do a little uh, quiz to see who's old in the room here with a few classic cars. Who remembers the Austin A40? Show of hands. Few people getting old. This is a classic. It's uh, nearly 80 years old, the Austin A40. This was my grandfather's first car. He had it with seven kids. Mum tells me he got some old train seats and bolted them into the back of the ute and the seven of them would drive around town, uh, seven kids in the back, my grandma and grandpa in the front. He didn't teach me much about road safety. Um, he, I had the privilege, actually, of him living with us when he was dying in his last uh, uh, few years. He was the best driving instructor because he had no fear. He knew he was going to be with Jesus soon. And... Uh, I, I remember one time on my L's, went through a red light, and he didn't even miss a beat. He, uh, he just said, oh, I probably shouldn't do that in your test, and uh, off, we, <laughs> off, off we drove. But my grandfather did teach me a lot. He was, had seven kids, 23 grandkids, and uh, he showed unconditional love to every single one of us. He was also a principal of a high school for most of his working life. He had a lot of people, a lot of pressure. He was a man of integrity and a man of faith, and I really miss him. Who remembers the uh, Morris 8 around the same uh, vintage, probably the same hands in the air? This was also a classic. as uh, my other grandfather's uh, first car. And my, uh, my dad said he remembers a time they were on a uh, long car trip and one of the doors fell off and he just tied it on with a rope and it stayed that way for some time. He was a builder and uh, most things he fixed with a rope or a bit of wire. He didn't teach me anything about workplace health and safety, but he did uh, teach me a lot about hard work and generosity. Uh, I love my grandfather, and I, uh, I really miss him. Uh, this next one was, my, my, was the first car I remember my dad driving. I used to go to work with him in an old 68 Dodge uh, when I was five years old. I begged him uh, to take me to work. I didn't care at five. I just wanted to dig trenches and carry bricks and do everything that dad did. He was also uh, a builder. I just wanted to be with him. He, I could tell you many horror stories of driving with my dad, being on holidays. It was like driving with Clark Griswold. You know, we'd end up in all sorts of strange places. Uh, I remember days where everything fell off the back of the truck because he'd forgotten to tie everything down. And we were there in the middle of the road, picking it all up. Uh, there was a day he stopped at the shops and uh, went and jumped in his truck until a blo another bloke opened the door and dragged him out and said, what are you doing stealing my truck? And he said, oh, sorry, mate, it looks just like my truck. And then he got in the white XB Falcon that was just next to it. He'd driven the different car to the shops. And to this day, I think that bloke thinks he was stealing uh, his car. But my dad was my hero. I wanted to go. He still is. I wanted to go to work with him from five because uh, I just loved being with him. I wanted to do what he did. And I learned a lot about leadership by watching my dad run his business, the way he cared for those that worked for him and empowered those who worked for him. I loved his heart of compassion. And uh, my dad to this day is still my hero. This is my first car. Uh, it was not the exact one, but it was that colour, 1975 uh, Combi. Uh, it too now is a classic. I wish I'd kept it. I, uh, I could retire and live on the proceeds. I sold it about 25 years ago for $1,500 uh, because now it's a classic, but then it was just an unreliable old van and we were starting to uh, have children. 
It would break down in all sorts of inconvenient places, mostly in Susan's front yard in her driveway when I was talking to her till, uh, in the front seats uh, to many hours, uh, early hours in the morning, and then I'd go to start it to go home and it wouldn't start, and Susan's dad would walk out and just push me in his dressing gown out of his driveway without talking to me and just let my car roll down the hill hoping that it would, uh, it would clutch start. Susan's dad is still not a man of many words. But when that car did break down and the motor finally did conk out, he spent two weeks every night while he was still working as an engineer pulling that motor apart for me and putting it all back together. All I could do was hand him spanners because I had absolutely no idea uh, what I was doing and he saved me thousands of dollars and he's been doing that for all of his family and for his grandkids throughout his life. He's a man that taught me how to show love in action. All of those classic cars, they're all long gone. Nothing left of them. No blessing to our family, to our lives anymore. But those dads and those granddads have shaped my life. They've shaped my heart. And most importantly, they've helped me to understand what my Father in heaven is like. And I'll be eternally grateful for them. None of them are perfect men. They've all got their weird idiosyncrasies. They're good men. They're godly men and I'm very grateful for them. Many of us here in this room will have dads and granddads like that we give thanks to God for, and I want to encourage you today to take a moment today to honour them, to thank them for the impact that they've had uh, on your life. Others of us here in this room haven't had such a great experience with your dad, but I would pray today that you would know the comfort of your heavenly father, and I would pray that you'd be able to find something, something in your dad's character that you could honour him for and thank him for today for the way that he's shaped your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you. I do thank you for dads. I thank you for granddads. I thank you for the investment they've made into our lives, for the way that they've shaped our hearts and helped us to understand what you are like. And God, I do pray for those that are struggling with the thoughts and the memories of their dad, those that are grieving their dad, the loss of their dad and missing them today. God, I do pray that they would know the arms of our Heavenly Father wrapped around them today. They would know comfort and peace. And God, today I pray as we open your word that you would shape our hearts and our lives through your living word. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here's a little test of your Bible knowledge. Who remembers Doeg the Edomite? Anyone remember Doeg? the Edomite. I've been asking people all week if they remember Doeg the Edomite. I went to Bible college for, it was supposed to be three years, but I went for nine. And I didn't remember Doeg the Edomite until I saw his name at the top of Psalm 52. And I had to go and work out who Doeg the Edomite was. Doeg the Edomite is old. He was born about 1000 BC and he is in the Bible, but he's not exactly a classic. He had a brief moment in the sun. He had a brief moment of fame. He had a brief moment of influence and power in Israel. He was the chief servant of King Saul. He was kind of like second in charge you know, in the nation. He had power. He had influence but unfortunately, he used his power and his influence for evil. He was a selfish man. He was a bloodthirsty man. He, he was a man full of selfish ambition and just wanted to do whatever he could to get ahead himself. He completely disregarded God and he completely disregarded God's people. He had a moment in the sun, but it didn't last very long. It was at a time when David, before he became king, was a mighty warrior 
And he was starting to win many battles for King Saul. And many people were praising David as a mighty warrior for defending their nation. And King Saul's heart too had turned evil. And he decided he wanted to kill David. David hears about it and he flees from the palace. He flees from his position of power and influence to spare his life. But he gets to a place called Nob, which is an unfortunate name. I, I don't think there was too many Aussies living in the town of Nob. But uh, in, in the town of Nob, David got there and he needed food. And there was a priest there named Abiathar who uh, did live in Nob. And uh, David went to him asking for help. He said, we need food. We're on the run. And uh, the priest actually gave David and the men that were with him some of the consecrated bread from the tabernacle to stay alive. But Doeg saw Abiathar helping David. And Doeg thought, here's my chance to get ahead. Here's my chance to increase my power and influence. Here's my chance to get in Saul's good books. And so he runs back to Saul and says, I just saw David at Nob and the priest Abiathar was helping him. And Saul is incensed. And he says to his guards, he says, I want you to go and kill that priest. In fact, I want you to kill all the priests at Nob because they helped David. And the guards did actually have regard for God. They did have regard for God's people and they refused to take a sword to God's priests. But Doeg was so evil, he actually puts up his hand and says, I'll do it. And so he travels back to Nob and he puts to death 85 priests and all their families, their wives, their children, and all of their livestock. He's an evil man. He's a selfish man. He's a, he's a bloodthirsty man. And David hears about what's happened. He hears about the plight of these people that have helped him. And David is hopping mad. And rightly so. He's angry. This is unjust. This incredible destruction simply because some godly people chose to help him. This is unfair. David could have thrown all of his toys out of the cot. He could have given up on God. He, he could have become, you know, a bloodthirsty monster himself. You know, he could have given up on faith in God. He could have given up, you know, trusting in, in the call of God on his life to actually become a great leader and to become the king. But instead, David chooses to write a worship song, Psalm 52. And up the top of it, it says he wrote it when Doeg the Edomite dobbed him in. That's my translation. This is how it goes. Psalm 52, middle of the Bible, verse 1. It says, Why do you boast of evil, you mighty hero? Why do you boast all day long? You who are a disgrace in the eyes of God. You who practice deceit, your tongue plots destruction. It's like a sharpened razor. You love evil rather than good, falsehood rather than speaking the truth. You love every harmful word, you deceitful tongue. Surely God will bring you down to everlasting ruin. He will snatch you up and pluck you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. Let me just pause there and say, this is a worship song. It kind of, in our day, it would go like this. Shine, Jesus, shine. Kill the lousy dog named Doeg from Edom. Blaze, spirit, blaze. Set Doeg on fire. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. But please don't save a wretch like Doeg. David's hopping mad. And he vents his anger at this injustice that's happening. But then, as in many of his psalms, 
He says this, verse 8, But I am like an olive tree flourishing. Everyone say flourishing. I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. In the midst of this devastation, in the midst of this destruction, in the midst of this disappointment, I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. For what you have done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people and I will hope in your name for your name is good. Flourishing. It kind of sounds like a women's conference rather than a Father's Day message. But this psalm's ministered to me in the last couple of months. I certainly haven't gone through the pain that David's gone through, but I've had some moments where I thought were unjust. I thought what people were saying about me or thinking about me or things that were levelled at me were unjust. And I've had some moments where I'm hopping mad. And this psalm has ministered to me for the last six weeks. I keep coming back to it. Those moments where I'm venting before God. I make sure somewhere in my prayer I come back and say, but... I choose to flourish. I choose to be like a flourishing olive tree in the house of God. Flourishing means living. Flourishing means what is living is also growing. Flourishing means that what is alive and growing is also fruitful, is bearing good Fruit. And I want to encourage you today. I, I, want to, I want to get it into our hearts and minds today. But that the heart of God has always been for human flourishing. Whatever is happening in the world, whatever is happening around us, whatever is happening in our world, the heart of God is that in every season we would flourish. I want to ask you today, are you flourishing? Are you flourishing? Are you alive and growing in your faith? Are you fruitful in your faith? Is God producing good fruit in you? Are you flourishing or are you languishing? Languishing is a word that got bandied around a lot during the last couple of years. It's a word that got used to describe, you know, the state of our hearts and our minds, languishing. Languishing means lacking energy and lacking life and vitality and growth and fruitfulness. Languishing is the opposite of flourishing. And I don't know where you are on the languishing to flourishing scale, but I just believe today that God wants to move some people from languishing to flourishing. And God wants to encourage some people today that are going through some disappointment, some devastation, that we can flourish like David. This can actually be a time of flourishing. David says, flourishing requires planting. He says, I'm like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. Olive trees flourish when there is good drainage. I bought this one yesterday. Cool winters and hot, dry summers. If you incorporate this exotic beauty in your garden to capture the tantalizing flavors of the Mediterranean, And you'll be able to enjoy these sensational olives with a drink or two. Obviously not a Baptist olive farmer. (laughs) And a tasty anti-pasto platter of breads, meats and cheeses. Right from the beginning, the instructions are clear. If you plant this olive tree in the right place, it will produce fruit. It will grow and flourish, but it needs to be in the right environment. It needs to 
be planted. It needs to put down roots. If you pull it out of its pot, and it just comes and goes as it pleases, and it's uprooted and not planted, what will happen to my olive tree? It'll languish. It'll die. It'll wither. It will not stay alive. It will not grow. It will not flourish. It will not produce fruit. This is, I'm, not, I'm no gardener. I've got no green thumbs. I kill plants all the time. But this bit I understand. Plants have got to put down roots. They've got to be planted in the right environment. And David here in this psalm, it says, I'm like an olive tree. I'm flourishing because I'm planted. I've put down roots. I'm planted in the house of God. David loved to be in the house of God. David would have loved moments like this, singing praises together with God's faithful people. David knew how to enjoy the presence of God on his own. He knew how to shepherd sheep and be out in the fields on his own and enjoy God. But David knew the incredible blessing that it was to actually be planted in the house of God with God's people, singing God's praises. He knew that he would flourish when he was planted in the house of God. He said things like, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. In Psalm 27, he says, this one thing I ask God, of all the things I could pray for right now, this one thing I asked, that I could be in your house, I could seek you and see your beauty, know your presence. One thing I ask is that I could just be in the temple. He loved to be in the tabernacle, a temporary tent, which is the presence of God, but he longed for the day. The temple would come and build a magnificent temple. He wanted to be planted in the house of God. He knew to flourish, you had to be planted. I want to encourage you today. You want to flourish in your faith. You want to flourish in your faith. You've got to be planted. Plant yourself in the local church. I've been saying this for years. Commit to being at one service on a Sunday. Turn up ready to worship, to bless God, to be blessed yourself, and to bless the people around you. It's a privilege. Plant yourself in the house of God. Find one place to serve. Plant it. Put down roots. Find one life group to belong to. Plant it. Put down roots. Put down roots somewhere where you can go deep, where life does not say shallow, where your walk with God and the journey with the people around you does not say shallow, but your roots go down deep. Plant yourself. I tell you one of the reasons. One of the reasons that people began to languish in COVID was because we're isolated from community. Plant yourself in the house of God. Dads, let me just talk to dads just for a moment. Plant yourself in the house of God. I meet too many, not just here, many places. I meet too many lonely men, too many lonely dads. Just got no mates no one they're doing the journey of life with, no one they can really share what's going on in their hearts. Don't let it happen to you. Don't think that life is too busy and you can't plant yourself in a place with real deep relationships. If you're thinking that in your head right now, I'm telling you it's a lie from the pit of hell. Don't let it happen to you. It won't just impact you, it'll impact your family. Plant yourself. Get down to the men's shed. Find a group to belong to. Find some mates. Find some blokes to do life with. Find some blokes to go deep with. Dads, mums, every family member, if you want your kids to flourish in their faith, get them planted in the local church. Like my dads and granddads, I too am not a perfect father. I've got my own idiosyncrasies, my own you know, weaknesses going on. I look back at the time you know, when my kids were, were school age and I've made some mistakes and I've got some regrets. But one thing I will never regret 
is planting our kids in this local church. It's been such a blessing to us. You have been such a blessing to our family. The kids and youth leaders out in that building have been such a blessing to our family because we planted them here every Friday and every Sunday. And we didn't just do it because they're the pastor's kids. We did it because I know it'll help them flourish in their faith. Don't be fooled into thinking planting them in a footy club is going to help them flourish in their faith on a Sunday morning. These are hard decisions to make as dads. For the sake of your family, you want your kids to flourish in their faith. I'm so thankful for the kids and youth leaders out here that walked with our kids, invested into them. And today they're flourishing in their faith. Plant yourself. Plant your family in the local church. Flourishing requires very careful planting. And flourishing requires persevering through tough seasons. This olive tree is now planted, but to flourish and to be fruitful will actually take time. It takes more than five minutes to flourish and be fruitful. Anyone know how long it takes for an olive tree to become fruitful, produce its first fruits? It's not five minutes, I'll give you a tip. Five years. I bought this yesterday. If I go home and plant it tomorrow in five years' time, I'll be able to enjoy a drink or two (laughs) with some olives. Five years. You won't become a flourishing and fruitful follower of Jesus in five minutes. Fruitfulness takes perseverance. And it takes perseverance through tough times. David, in his tough time, this is not a happy time for him. He says, but I choose to trust in your unfailing love. I trust in your unfailing love. When everything else is falling apart, I trust in your unfailing love. I put my hope in your name, in your authority, in your character, because your name is good. Even though what's happening to me right now does not feel good, I trust that you'll never turn your back on me. You'll always love me and you'll actually bring good out of this situation. When evil and injustice seem to be winning, it did not diminish David's faith. He's still flourishing. And the same goes for all of us. When evil and injustice seems to be winning, It doesn't have to diminish your faith. You can actually flourish. In fact, this is what James, the brother of Jesus, says. Remember, it's not me that says this. These are tough words, okay? It's Jesus' brother that says this. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Pure joy. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, when you persevere through every season, when you persevere through trial, when you hold on to God, even when you're holding on to God, you know, by your fingernails, when you hold on to God in faith and you trust in His unfailing love and you put your hope in His goodness, He's actually going to produce something good out of this. Then you'll become mature and fruitful. You produce fruit. When uh, Susan and I left our first uh, ministry role in Sydney because we really believe God told us to, it was a wilderness time for us. We didn't know where we were going. It was a time of just starting to question, has God really called us into ministry? We felt a little homeless. We left the church where I was ministering, but it was also the church we grew up in. It was a wilderness time for us. It was a perplexing time for us. But during that time, God produced something good. 
God actually, you know, gave us a new clarity about the call of God on our lives. It was during that time that we knew we were called to do this for the rest of our lives. God confirmed it. He gave us clarity. He produced something good in a difficult time. You know, four or five years later, when I became the senior pastor here at Gateway, it was a difficult time. I, I thought I was ready, and I thought I could do it myself. And I started leading this church in my own strength, in my own wisdom, trying to prove to everybody I could do it. And I was really tired, and I got sick. I got sick for 12 months. Doctors kept giving me new drugs. I'd get better for a little while, and then I'd need to take other stuff again. I wasn't getting better. I had a moment just on the other side of that wall at a prayer meeting where God showed me you know, how self-centered I'd become, how focused on myself I'd become, and how it grieved him. I'd never understood till that moment how much it grieved him. It was a painful moment. I remember down on my knees just confessing my sins, not just to God, but to everybody in that prayer meeting. It was humiliating. But in that moment, and in the months that followed, as I began to walk with God in a new way, and I continued to confess my sins and, and trust in God in a new way and rely on the power of the Holy Spirit in a new way, God produced something good out of something that was painful. He gave me a new joy in ministry and a new intimacy with Him. That is still, that fruit is still in my life. I had to persevere, I had to hold on to him. Fast forward a few more years, and our daughter Bronte got sick with anorexia and she's in hospital. And I'd say it was my darkest times as a dad. She was in hospital for months. It was a very difficult time for our family. We're building this jolly giant kids and youth building out there. To, See courageous followers of Jesus get raised up and we're coming back and forth from the hospital as our daughter was broken and messed up. My darkest day as a dad was the day I went to visit her on my own and Bronte got very upset and the doctors had to come in and say, I think you need to leave, Jason. You're not doing any good. You're doing more harm than good. As a dad and as a pastor, I kind of do this for a living. It was a difficult time. I just remember it was a time where I had all sorts of bad thoughts running through my head. And I had to learn in that time to listen to the voice of my Father in heaven more than I think I ever had before in my life. And it was during that time that I actually, you know, had to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And it was during that time that God began to teach me and show me that, that, that the way to know if it's His voice is because our Father in Heaven's words will never push us away. They'll always draw us close. His words will never put us down. They'll always build us up. I remember doing these hand actions in prayer. People probably thought I was down at the dam doing aerobics. But I was kind of, it was my way of just learning to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And I've taught hundreds of people going through similar situations, that same way of just beginning to discern the voice of the Father. It was fruit that God produced in my life as I held on to his unfailing love and I had nothing else left. I want to encourage you today, if you're going through a difficult season, a difficult time, a time where it doesn't seem fair, it doesn't seem just, it's painful. God has not given up on you. He will never turn his back on you. He's a perfect father His love for you is unfailing. 
It'll never come to an end. It is a steadfast love that never ceases. He's holding on to you. You've just got to hold on back to him. He's going to produce something as painful as it feels right now. He will never push you away. He'll always draw you close. He'll never put you down. He'll always build you up because in his heart is that you would flourish. There's good fruit. And sometimes it takes more than five minutes. Sometimes it's a difficult and long journey. Flourishing requires planting. And flourishing requires perseverance. And lastly, flourishing flows from praising. I love it when they all start with P, straight from heaven. Planting, persevering, praising. David says, for what you've done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people. You know, a lot of studies have been done about the effect of music on plants. Some people have got too much time on their hands. <laughs> some would say, some studies would say that one to three hours of plants listening to music every day will promote their growth. Others say it's rubbish. Some would say that plants prefer jazz and classical music. I could not find one university-funded study that said country and Western music is good for plants. In fact, I couldn't find one study that said country and Western music is good for anything. <laughs> I couldn't find anything that said singing worship songs to your plant will help it to flourish. But David says, I'm flourishing because I'm always singing praises in the presence of God's faithful people. Praise is powerful. Praise lifts our eyes off of our problems and onto the power of God. Praise is powerful. Praise lifts us into the presence of God when we're surrounded by harm, when we're surrounded by evil. It lifts us into the presence of God. We come into the presence of God. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We come in wherever we are. We can come into the presence of God with praise. Flourishing flows from praising. We don't praise because our life is going smoothly and our kids are behaving and our bank balance is soaring, and all of our problems are disappearing. We praise, like David says, for what you've already done. You see, we praise. We praise because when our sins were deserving of death, and we had no way of solving the biggest problem in our lives, a separation from God forever. We praise because when we were in that situation, our God sent his son to die on a cross on our behalf, to wipe away our sins, to take away the very thing that stopped us coming in to the presence of God. We praise because he first loved us. We praise because he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. And we praise because when his dead body was taken down off that tree, tree and he was placed into a tomb, he did not stay dead, but he overcame the power of sin and death and new life, resurrected life was breathed in to that dead body. And Jesus Christ, the perfect son of God, who died a perfect death on our behalf, came back to life. He went through death and came out the other side and he invites all of us to join him in that journey and experience that new life today. We praise because he is worthy of all glory, honour and praise. We praise because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and for all eternity. Can I hear an amen this morning? That is why we praise 
David says, I praise you for what you've already done. He was looking back to the great exploits of God. Jesus hadn't even come. The greatest gift of God hadn't arrived. We got so much more to praise him for than what David did. But David wrote 73 Psalms of praise. David says, I will praise you always. Can everyone say always? David praised when he's stuck in a pit. David praised when he was hiding in a cave. David praised when he had nothing left to eat. David praised when his kids were going off the rails. David praised when people treated him unjustly and people that should have loved him, heard him. David praised always. In Psalm 119, David says, I praise you seven times a day. I don't know if there's anything magical about that number, but it sounds like a pretty good number. I I want to encourage some of you today. If you're languishing more than you're flourishing, just put a little reminder in your phone. Just stop for a minute seven times a day and praise God for what he's already done. Lift your eyes off your problems and under the power, the majesty and the beauty of God, into the presence of God. Flourishing flows from praising. For what you have done, I'll always praise you in the presence of your faithful people. Praise on your own is powerful. Do it seven times a day. But the power of praise increases when you praise in the presence of faithful people. See, when you're standing behind Fred in church this morning and he faithfully praises when his health is failing, it'll lift your faith in God that he truly does hold us in his hands in every season. When you're sitting next to Sheila, anyone sitting next to Sheila this morning? When you're sitting next to Sheila and she faithfully praises when she's been hurt by the people that are supposed to love her, you will get a fresh revelation of God's unfailing love. The Father that will never let us go. When you watch Wally faithfully praise when he's lost his job, it'll fill your heart with faith and hope that we've got a God who provides, a God who's in control in every situation. There is power when we praise in the presence of God's faithful people will flourish. Flourishing flows from praising. Does anyone know how long an olive tree lasts for? little guess. Come on, give me a guess. How long? A thousand years? Someone just laughed. Don't laugh. On average, the average olive tree will flourish for 500 years. But the oldest known olive tree today is somewhere between two and 4,000 years old. This olive tree here, it's, uh, I forget what it's called, the Al-Badawi olive tree in Bethlehem was planted before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It is still flourishing today. It's still producing fruit today. It was planted before the virgin birth in Bethlehem. It was planted and it kept flourishing when Nero, evil emperor, began to persecute the church and the Roman Empire threw Christians to the lions and people were eaten alive. It flourished as evil kingdoms came and went and evil kings reigned and war ravaged nations all over the world. It flourished through the Middle Ages. It flourished through the Age of Enlightenment. You know, it it flourished through World War I. It flourished through Auschwitz and World War II. 
It flourished through Y2K. And I'm telling you, it still flourished through COVID-19. It has seen off wars and atrocities and famine and flood and fire and plague. And it is still flourishing today. And I don't think it's any surprise that David actually chose the olive tree for this particular psalm. You see, Doeg had his moment in the sun, but no one can jolly well remember him. He had incredible power and he's got a couple of chapters in the Bible. But many of you have been coming to church for 50 years and you didn't remember him. He hasn't exactly left a legacy. But David, David was planted in the house of the Lord. David persevered through difficult times, held on to God. And David praised God always. David flourished in his faith. And he's a classic. He left behind a legacy. David was a giant slayer. He took down giants when everyone else was running scared. And we got some giants in our world today that need to get taken down. There's evil in this world today. God is calling His church to stand up and to speak out and to, to work for justice and to bring mercy into this world, to see His goodness flow into this world. He's calling us to be a flourishing people who produce fruit. David's a songwriter. He wrote song after song after song. And 3,000 years later, we're still singing them. We don't sing Psalm 52. That's a little, you know, it doesn't kind of go with shine, Jesus, shine. But we sing a lot of His songs that are still a blessing to people all over the world today because He flourished in the house of God. David was a great leader. He was a leader that, that led people that was flourishing in the nation of Israel like there never would be again under His leadership. There was human flourishing because He was a man who flourished with God. And I tell you, in this season, we need to raise up leaders that flourish in their faith, that bring about human flourishing in this nation. Keep praying for our kids and youth leaders out in that building, investing into our kids right now, that they will be young people that would flourish in their faith and they would bring about flourishing in this nation. They would see revival in this nation, in our generation. There would be a legacy that get passed on from generation to generation in this church. And from David, from David's family, and he was not a perfect dad, but he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man who served God's purposes in his generation and then he died. We need people just with a heart for God, people that will flourish today and encourage the church. But from David's family line came our Saviour because David was faithful to the promises of God. God was faithful to His covenant. David's the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus, our Saviour. The one who would die in our place and give us new life through His death and resurrection so that we can know His presence every day and we can flourish in every season. Do you want to be a David or a Doeg? I don't know about you. I want to be a David. I want to be someone who flourishes. I want to be someone who's planted in the house of God persevere to produce fruit and we'll praise Him in every season. Can we stand together this morning? I don't know what season you're going through. I don't know whether you're languishing. I don't know whether you're grieving. I, I, I know some of your stories, but I don't know everyone's. I don't know what's going on in your heart. I just wonder whether for some of us, this is kind of just one of those defining moments where I'm going, I'm just choosing. I'm choosing to praise. I'm choosing to turn my eyes to heaven. I'm choosing to sing praises. 
I'm choosing to hold on to God and to persevere. I'm going to get in trouble for doing this and I want you to do it safely. But what I want you to do today, if, if you just say, this is a line in the sand moment for me, this is a moment where I'm just, I'm choosing to praise. I'm choosing to flourish in this season. As we sing this song, which just says, we're going to sing your praise again and again and again. We're going to sing to the God of the ages. I just want you to respond today by standing up on your chair and just saying, I'm stepping up and I'm just choosing to praise. If you've got high heels on, take them off. If you're old and you remember the Morris 8, just hold on to someone, please, while you're doing it. I just feel like our response today is to praise. I've been reminded through this psalm that in every season, in every situation, our God's love is unfailing. Our God is good and His goodness will follow us all the days of our lives and He is worthy of all of our praise. It's a different way to respond. It's a bit of a funny way to respond. If you're at home, step up on your lounge. Come on, get up on your lounge if you're here today in the room. You just want to say, I'm choosing to praise. No matter what's going on, I'm choosing to praise. Come on, just step up on your chairs. No one will get you in trouble. People will get me in trouble. Good man. Just step up on your chair. Let's sing His praises again.
like you're just just burning those wounds closed that's painful sometimes what I can see it it looks painful but it's bringing healing God just pour out your healing power heal wounds in families would you heal father wounds this morning Would you heal the pain that people have caused that should have loved? God, I pray that you'd heal pain that people have felt from people in churches that have hurt them, whether it be this church or another church. There's diminished faith. God, would you heal that wound today? Would you lift our eyes to see you? God, you're so good. You're so good. Pour out your healing in this place. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, some of our pastoral team and prayer team will be out the front. You just need someone to stand with you and pray with you this morning. Please just come. Come and receive. We'd love to. If you still feel, I just feel like some people has got a wound that's open. God's just wanting to to close it. He's wanting to heal it today. 
If you're still feeling that pain, just come, come and receive. Come and let someone pray for you. Can I just get our prayer team, pastoral team, just standing down the front. The band's just going to keep playing, but that is the end of our service. There's hot chips and classic cars out there. Go and uh, enjoy some time. Grab a photo with your family in the photo booth. But if you just need someone to pray uh, with you and for you, please just come. We'd love to do that today. God bless. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.